welcome to The Author's Journey. I'm your host, Moni Dujeji, and I'm delighted to have with me today an author who is very well known in this community. He is a Zen teacher, he's a spiritual warrior, he's a peace activist, so many more titles that we can add on to his name, but today he's with me to talk about his journey as an author. Please help me welcome Dr. Ian Pradis. It's so nice to see you. My pleasure. It's good to have you here. Thank you very much. So tell me, Ian, um, tell me a little bit about your story and how, and how you just came to be an author and to come down this, uh, this whole writing journey. I think it, it really started when in my teens. Um, I went to the Far East, Sarawak, in Borneo. In Borneo, oh and, wow. Uh, the vivid, verdant landscape and the different peoples and so on. Um, I used to scribble everything down, so poetry and notes, and that stuck with me. So wherever I went, whether it was uh, my yogi years in India, okay. I just wrote everything down. <laughs> and with my training with First Nations um, mentors in Canada and uh, also in the States, um, I, I kept a, a really good log. So I had suitcases full of journals. I love that. I can even have a visual of my mind. As a matter of fact, yes. I'll just make suitcase so, filled with so, diaries. So, so that's how it started. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to relate to what I was seeing and feeling and thinking. Mm. Um, and sometimes the, the rereading was difficult because it was, it was hard stuff. As in hard emotionally, like you hard were working? Hard emotionally, Okay, yes. so you were capturing a lot of your feelings and your that's emotions right. and okay. Right. And, uh, and I think that allowed me to, to sculpt things in a very authentic way. I wasn't trying mm. to sanitize my, my, um, my emotions, my thoughts. Yeah. I was just putting it down as it was at that time. So, and I think this allowed me to be really authentic in what I would write. Um, it didn't always work so well when I was a professor, <laughs> when I had to produce um, textbooks and things like that. And, sure. and I, I, so I really got the, the, the kickstart when, when I retired because I, I had to learn to write in a less pompous way. Yeah. No, no uh, footlines or things like this. So, so I had to really change the, w the way I wrote. And it was, and it was more, more me that started mm -hmm. to come out. Did you feel confident letting that real authentic voice and that real you come through in your writings? Because a lot of authors struggle with that. They struggle with allowing their authentic voice, what they, who they truly are, mm -hmm. to really appear on paper. Did you, did you have that struggle? It wasn't a struggle. Really? It, okay. was, it, was, it was just, it, it took a while to kind of lurch out and start. And once I started, that was it. So you've had a very... Um, rich history and I would say it's uh, your journeys um, I would imagine you mentioned Borneo you mentioned in passing India um, how how have they how have your experiences shaped you as a writer I think they they provided me with a huge spectrum of um, experience and from that experience and you know the, the the lessons I'd learned from teachers in India, um, First Nations medicine people. I, I learned to be quiet within myself, and within that quietness, the authentic voice would just just rang clear. Mm -hmm. So I was also ready to hear other 
authentic voices from the past and things like that. Because I, I was tuning into the fact that, okay, there's, there's only one way I can write, and it's to be as authentic and as clear as I can, and to, and to wait for that, um, I suppose it's like a ping, <laughs> a ping of, uh, okay, the, the, the authentic stream is running, now start writing. And how, it's funny that you mentioned that, that ping. How do you know? How do you know when you're writing from that authentic place and uh, rather than writing, say, from your mind, from the intellect? And of course, you know, we need the intellect yes, to, to get the words done. But how do you know that when you've, reached, when you've gotten that ping and you know that you're in that place? Well, let me tell you, I, I, I've tried to, to write the, the two or three pages a day, yes. as some writers do, and it was garbage. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so so I, I, just, I just wait. Um, you know, in, the, in between times, I do research and I edit and things like that. Right. Um, but when, when, when I f feel that sort of intuitive mm -hmm. energy, um, you could call it a spiritual energy, I don't know. I don't write until that is running, and then I scribble like crazy um, and keep on going until it lets up on me. <laughs> so so I, I wait. I'm very patient. Um, and so Sometimes it's difficult to, to uh, read my writing, but I manage. So is meditation a part of um, your way of being stillness? Yes. Because yes. I know you're, you're a Zen teacher at yes. the Pine Gate uh, community, and um, you teach there this art of mindfulness. Can you explain what mindfulness is um, first? Mindful is a sort of being aware of the consequences of your thoughts and your actions and sculpting them in such a way that they're kind and that they're beneficial. Um, in, in a nutshell, that's what I do. Well, it sounds so easy. <laughs> yes, it's, um, and that in itself, I imagine, is a, is a journey. Learning that, to be that, able that to sculpt. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And I'm, has, how has that practice then impacted your writing? Do you, so then do you use the practices that you have garnered from, uh, from being a Zen teacher into your writing? Um, especially so in the, the, the latest book, which is going to be coming out in October. Yes. It's called Our World is Burning. That is uh, 16 essays on mindful engagement. Yeah. Um, and it, th this was a new genre for me. Yeah. And, uh, and there I basically was pulling together my, the best of the essays I've written mm -hmm. on mindful engagement and putting them together into a package to address the issue of Our World is burning yeah. and what can we do about it um, how can we engage and encourage young people mm -hmm. as well as uh, people in everyday life to push back against the unkindness yeah. against the the very horrible things happening and also being awake to the realities of climate change that uh, is not going to go away so we have to learn how to adapt so I'm also writing about how do we best adapt to the inevitable. Yeah, and I like how, I mean, this, is, uh, this book is not published yet. Um, you no. mentioned it's not coming out until October. We don't even have a, a book cover yet. So we're talking about things that are hot off the press, so That's to speak. Right. <laughs> uh, the, 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 playing with a, a few possible yeah. f um, front covers, you just got a, f uh, a huge fiery, yeah. <laughs> fiery uh, yeah. um, image. Um, but 
that hasn't yet been decided. Okay, so this is a collection of essays that you That's mentioned. Right. But you know, you also have written across um, many other genres. You've That's written, right. you've yes. written fiction. Do you write poetry as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. Have you published your your works of poetry? Some of it's been published. Yeah. Um, I've, I've I've got a lot. Uh, that's not, it needs a bit of polish. <laughs> so then, um, we have here some of, uh, some of your books. I, I want to talk to you a, a little bit about this book here that's sitting on the table, The, the, trailing, uh, the trailing Sky Six Feathers, if uh, we can get a, a shot of that for a second. And uh, this is a book that I've, I've read and that I enjoyed thoroughly. Um, and I want to talk to you about this idea that many writers I think also deal with, and it's this idea of having a muse. Okay, mm -hmm. who is your muse, and well, how did yes. she impact what was happening in this book? Mm -hmm. Well, first off, um, I, I, I didn't allow the muse to come through. Oh, how interesting! Tell me about that. Why not? Several decades ago, I I had a distinct feeling that I was being stalked, that I had a stalked? stalker. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'd feel this presence, I'd look behind me. Yeah. And it was when a, a very wise medicine woman told me that this was certainly no stalker. It was a, um, an Aboriginal medicine woman okay. from the 18th century who was trying to come through to me so, yes. so that I could receive gifts from her. And I, I was resistant, my, my kind of logical, intellectual mind. Yes. And uh, I remained resistant until so many things were happening um, and there was no other way to account for it. So eventually I did surrender. Yeah. Um, it was basically uh, a very wise, crystal clear energy that was impacting me. Explain what you mean by that. Uh, what, uh, a crystal clear energy that was impacting you. Oh, that, that was what was uh, evolving in, in me by, by listening in to, to this particular muse. And how did you listen to her? I'm, I'm trying to get, to get you to articulate, if you okay. can, what I know is often a feeling. Because you yeah. know it's a feeling um, that is there. Sometimes you might feel it even as a presence. Sometimes it's words that come through and you don't understand. How did these words, where did these words come from? Mm -hmm. So how was it for you, this connection with your muse? Well, I was taught by, by my mentor in Canada. This is a white eagle woman. Yes. How to build a mental medicine wheel in my mind okay. and at the center, the sacred center, that was where I would communicate with uh, this uh, sacred stalker. The uh, sacred stalker, I, oh, I, I like that. I, I hope she forgives <laughs> me for that. Um, is she alive? Let me ask, is she no, someone? No, okay, so no. she lived in the... She, she lived in the 18th century. In the 18th century. Um, and I died in her arms in 1777. Okay. And as I died, she said, I will find you in the future. I will find you. Yeah. Um, and eventually I, I remembered past lives impacting all the way back to 1777. Um, with her help? With her help, yes, because uh, I was resistant. And also with the, with the help of uh, First Nations mentors and mm -hmm. medicine people that I worked with over, over 30 years. Yeah. 
And so in your mind, you build this medicine wheel, which, then, you know, as we know, it's, it's like a, it's a circle with the four points that's right. in the middle. And then the center. And in the very center, are you walking towards, is that the idea? Is that you are walking from oh, the... This is just the space where, where uh, um, I communicate. Yes. And mo mostly listen. <laughs> mostly listen. <laughs> mostly listen. Were you, oh, you said you were resistant. Um, how did you overcome that resistance? What, what happened that you listened finally? Because she was always right. <laughs> she was always right. I love that. So right about even, you. Even though I didn't understand, <laughs> yeah. um, she was always right. And I just thought, okay, <laughs> no more resistance. No more resistance. And so she finally beat you down, eh? Well, persuaded me to walk in the right direction. Let's call it that way. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to continue our conversation. We have to go to break. Uh, please stay tuned, everyone, as we go to break and we continue our fascinating conversation with Dr. Ian Prattis. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Author's Journey, a show that's dedicated to telling the stories of authors and our community and their journeys as they develop their crafts and bring their words out into the world. I'm your host, Moni Dujeji, and I'm delighted to have with me today, Dr. Ian Prattis. Welcome back, Ian. Thank you. Now, I want to talk about one of your books, which I think is the dream of many authors to have happen, is that their book becomes a movie, right? Congratulations, yes. first of all. Thank you. Now, this book is called Redemption. Now, tell me a little bit about this, this particular book. What's it about? Well, I wrote that book 45 years ago and didn't know how to get published at that time, so I got a few rejections, and then I clean forgot about it. And what was it about? What was the story it, it, of redemption? It, it, it's, Whose it's, redemption is it? Well, it was, it's not autobiographical, but it was uh, allegorical <laughs> of, of the mess I was in. Yeah. Um, I was trying to save uh, a marriage and yes. also work on my career as a young professor at, at Carleton University and nice. I wasn't doing a very good job of uh, both. both or either <laughs> <laughs> neither oh, so, so so the thing is the the in 2011 when I found the the manuscript again and yes. I sat down on the basement floor and read through it I just wondered who on earth wrote this because how could I 45 years ago in a total mess write a book like this as in it was so good, like you were, you were surprised was, by its clarity? I, I didn't think I wrote it. <laughs> oh, you didn't think you wrote it. Uh, ah, perhaps it was the muse yeah, that we were talking but, about um, earlier. <laughs> maybe. But uh, I also remember um, when I finished the manuscript 45 years ago, I said to a friend, um, this is going to be a movie. 45 I, years ago you said this. Yeah, I, and I didn't think it would take 50 years or so. <laughs> and uh, I was very excited uh, when, <laughs> when I got a call from an, an executive producer who was very interested in it. Okay. Um, th this book, had, I'd entered it into the Florida International Book Fair, and it got the gold medal for fiction. Congratulations. So, we, so he had a look at it, and he thought this was worthwhile 
um, turning into a movie and this this is new territory for me yeah. um, I'm working with a screenplay writer mm -hmm. um, and this is proven to be really expansive for me because this uh, this writer is very respectful of the book and of me which I think is a bit of a surprise um, why are you surprised by this well I'd heard so much about what screenwriters yes. do <laughs> so yes. but not in this case yeah. and he was showing me how certain parts of the book would not translate into the cinematic realm so we would we would try and find alternative metaphors okay. and we're in the process of uh, refining it um, all the final tweaks be before that then starts to go out to investors and and uh, people who will play in it and one thing that is is, is really I, I think it's quite funny um, the executive producer is, is two of his buddies are Shirley MacLaine oh. and Ed Anser oh, and wow. they got wind of this uh, screenplay and they they wondered if they could have cameo roles and I Ed said, Asner and Shirley MacLaine. That's right. The Shirley MacLaine. What a wonderful pair. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so so I, I wrote in cameo roles for them. Oh, that's wonderful. And they, they have small parts. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is again. I come back to this is this is the dream of many authors oh, yes, is to yeah. see their works yes. in, translated into words that are then spoken cinematically, and that there is enough interest from individuals to actually go ahead and that's make right. the movie. Yeah, I, I'm quite thrilled. Yeah. I could imagine. But it, for me, it's a learning curve. How so? Because I imagine, you know, I, I think you're right. There is a, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of stories around screenwriters that as soon as you option your book, this is what happened, mm -hmm. I take it, correct? And the, the terminology is that you are selling the rights yes. for this producer or this individual mm -hmm. to create a movie from your book that's right but that doesn't mean that it will be a movie the first step is to option it is that mm. correct am i un correct well, yes, in understanding yeah, the, it the, 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 I, I basically hire him okay i still have the copyright okay um but the interesting thing was in the book redemption i knew there was another one coming afterwards so i left the ending quite ambiguous which is has no place in a on, on the screen so he came back with a different kind of ending which was mm which was a shocking ending um, and I, so you know how authors hang on to their books and for, for about 10 seconds I resisted then I thought that's brilliant let's do it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the, the, the ending is, is quite dramatic far more dramatic than, than the in the book so I'm, I'm going for it you're going for it. Yes. And you know, how has been this process? Because as you say, authors get attached to their words because it gets, it takes a long time yes. to get to the ideas that you want to say and then to express them with clarity. And then when you finally see the product on the book, you go, yes, this is exactly what I want to say. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, someone is changing them. Well, that's right. Um, but I know the, the, the screenwriter, I always saw as a, a fellow writer. Um, and he, he, he showed me how certain things in my book would not translate too well to the screen. As in visually or how do you mean? Uh, in, in terms of what would work cinematically which I have no, I have no idea. Right. Um, so 
the ending of the book, I'd left it quite ambiguous because I knew what the next book would be in the trilogy. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't work on a screen. So he came up with a, a finale that, that was shocking to me. You, you know how you love your prose and all yes. the rest of it? Yes. So for about 10 seconds, I was resisting it. Then I thought, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it was. Yeah. So it's, it's a much better, much more dramatic ending, which I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, we, won't, we don't want to spoil the surprise, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. And so you were confident then with the process that, well, first of all, um, I think it's wonderful that this screenwriter actually included you oh, in yes. this process. Yeah, we have a, a, a weekly conference call, the executive wow. producer, the screenwriter, and me, yeah. and we're just uh, three-way input into what's going into the screenplay. That's fantastic, and I think it's heartening for um, for authors to hear that not all screenwriters are are what we uh, we imagine them to be, which is often they take your book and you're excluded from the process That's altogether, right? right? Yeah. And good luck with what actually yeah. ends up showing up on screen. That's right. Well, they, they do say based on a novel by Ian Prattis, so <laughs> it is based on. Yeah. So so I, I accept their their <laughs> skills. And are you seeing, kind of cinematically, how it's remaining loyal to your book, to the original story? Because it is loosely very, based very on your much, life, right? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And this was, uh, the, for, for, for some reason, the screenwriter respected me as, as, as an author. <laughs> we'll take that as a good thing. <laughs> It may stay that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so now then, um, how long has this process taken? I'm just curious. From the time um, you optioned the book until the screenwriter, I guess, was hired? Is that what happens? That's right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's three months into the process. So we're, we're still early. Yeah. And uh, I'm in no rush. Remember, 45, 45 years, years ago, ago, I wrote this book, so yeah. it, it can wait a little bit longer. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. That's terrific. And is this a Canadian company that's doing this for you? I'm just curious. Um, I'm hoping it will be a Canadian company. Okay. Because um, I would, and it will be shot in Nova Scotia. So a Canadian author, Canadian province, and uh, a Canadian production. That's wonderful. So that's 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 the hope. That's the hope. Well, we, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that, and uh, you know, I wish you well, you know, on that uh, on that journey. Because as I say, this is uh, it is a completely different feeling to see your words now translated into images and having somebody tell the story orally. It's just the oral tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Are you a fan of the oral tradition of storytelling? Very much so. Um, I think I've been very fortunate uh, as as an anthropologist, a professional anthropologist, to yes. spend so much time with. Uh, Aboriginal elders who would speak their creation stories mm -hmm. in myths and, I th and poetry. And I really do think that, that if a culture doesn't have poetry, there's something missing. Mm. And I, I learned that from my Aboriginal mentors all across North America and the, the way they would tell their stories mm -hmm. and the, their myths and recount them, that this was vital. It was a vital part of how they were as human beings. And I think the, the essence of poetry in a culture defines it. So if a culture does not have poetry, <laughs> it's not going to last very long. Yeah. The, the, the poetic threads are, are very, very deep. And that's what entwines, mm -hmm. coheres, and manifests in ways that one can never anticipate. Yeah. Those are very wise words. 
I'll take them to heart okay. for all the poets who are listening to keep uh, to encourage them to keep uh, to write to not give up even if it's just for themselves. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. You know, I. Uh, you know, what are you working on next? I mean, you've got the movie going on. I know you have a, a book coming up. We talked about this, the collection of essays that are that are coming up. That's uh, you got your hands full going on. Well, I think because I've brought out a lot of books over the last four or five years, yeah. I think I'm going to step back and, and study the greats. Hmm. Um, Who are the greats for you? Well, I'm thinking of a short story, so that, that's uh, Alice Munro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking Love of... Really investigating Hemingway because I still think his book, *The Old Man and the Sea*, is uh, is so brilliant because not one word is wasted. You know, so I'm going to look at the greats and uh, go back to school in a way yeah. in terms of the writing craft. Uh, so a good time out. But I'll be busy. You'll be busy. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of you um, continually developing your craft. Even though you've published books, your book, book is being made into a movie, you're still developing yourself as a writer. Oh, yes. I, I, I yeah. think that will never stop. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what advice would you give to any writer who is embarking on the journey or somebody who's actually still writing? What advice would you offer them as a writer? I would encourage them to talk to other writers around them because um, there's, there's especially in Ottawa there is such a rich talent true. of uh, writers in this city so get to know them talk to them um, go on retreats you'll all, I, I always learn something from retreats and also from listening to different genres yeah. so as communicate with others and always have other eyes on your work not the eyes of your loved ones, because they're always going to think you're great. <laughs> yes, they do, actually. <laughs> so, you, so you need other yes. critical eyes. Yes. Um, and, you, and you don't take it personally. They're, they're just trying to help you and uh, sculpt your message or prose or poem in, into a more, what's the right word? Deeper, authentic, authentic. place. Yes. Um, but it, it's to reach out to other, other writers yeah. and, and listen and then they will start to listen to you. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. I want to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your journey with me. And, and thank you all for tuning in uh, to this episode of The Author's Journey. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing you on this next episode. Thank you. <laughs>